Hey everyone, technically you're getting two days in history today because we're running two episodes from the History Vault. You'll also hear two hosts, me and Tracy V. Wilson. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy B. Wilson and it's October 8th. Alvin York's heroic actions on this day in 1918 would later on earn him the Medal of Honor. Alvin York was born December 13, 1887 in Pall Mall, Tennessee. After his father died in 1911, Alvin was the oldest child who was still living at home. His older brothers had started their own families and he became the head of his family, basically taking his father's place. But he didn't shoulder all of this new responsibility very well or his grief over his father's death. He started drinking and gambling and crossing the border into Kentucky to drink and fight, and soon he had an arrest record. But a couple of things happened around 1914 and 1915 that really changed him completely. One was that he met a young woman named Gracie Williams, who he was very fond of. And the other is that he had a religious awakening at a revival on New Year's Day 1915. This revival had lasted the whole last week of 1914, and he had gone there because he wanted to see Gracie, and he knew that she would be there. But on the last day of the revival, something was different, and he described it, quote, as if lightning had struck my soul. He really was a changed man from this point. He gave up drinking and fighting and playing cards and started trying to live his life in a Christian way, including becoming a pacifist. But then in June of 1917, the same month that he got engaged to Gracie Williams, he also had to register for the draft for World War I. He tried to be classified as a conscientious objector, but his application was turned down. It was turned down because the church he was a member of wasn't considered to be a recognized and established sect, and also because it didn't have any particular creed beyond the Bible to prevent its adherents from undertaking military service. All of this really continued to trouble Alvin York's conscience for quite some time, but he ultimately reconciled himself to the idea of serving in the military. And then on October 8, 1918, his platoon was ordered to cross a valley to capture a machine gun nest that was preventing their advance. They faced really heavy machine gun fire and immense casualties just trying to cross over an open stretch of land to get to where they needed to go. York was one of only 17 men who made it across a clearing that was the first step in achieving this objective. And then they followed two German soldiers through some brush, and on the other side of that brush, they surprised a whole group of German soldiers who were eating breakfast. These German soldiers had been marching through the night. They were exhausted and they were hungry, and they really thought these 17 Americans who had suddenly burst in on them were the advance guard of a much bigger force, and so most of them started to surrender. But that is when the machine gunners who were up on the hill noticed what was happening. By the time they were able to take cover, only eight of the American force, including York, were still alive and able to fight. They returned fire against the machine gunners, with York especially carrying the day. When a German lieutenant and about six soldiers tried to charge down the hill with bayonets, trying to take down whoever it was that was shooting the machine gunners, York shot each of them with his pistol. He started at the back. This was something he had learned while hunting birds when he was living in Tennessee. He would shoot the formation of birds from the back so the ones in front wouldn't get startled. In this case, he was doing it because he didn't want the people in the back to be able to take cover behind the bodies of fallen men in front of them. 
after they had taken care of this, they captured four German officers and 128 German soldiers, along with several machine guns. York was awarded the Distinguished Service Cross, the Croix de Guerre with Palms, and the Medal of Honor for his heroism on that day. But after he got back to Tennessee, he largely refused the hero's welcome that was waiting for him. Instead, he dedicated himself entirely to opening a school in Fentress County, Tennessee, where he had grown up, which had no high school at all until that point. And this would be a major focus for most of the rest of his life. When the movie Sergeant York was made in 1941, the real York put almost all the money that he earned from it back into that school. He died on September 2nd, 1964, at the age of 76. He was survived by his wife, Gracie, who he married just days after getting out of the army, and seven of their ten children. Some of those children and York himself have said that starting that school was to him a much bigger accomplishment than what he did that earned the Medal of Honor. You can learn a lot more about this from the October 3rd, 2018 episode of Stuff You Miss in History Class. Thanks to Tari Harrison for all of her audio work on this podcast. And you can subscribe to the Stay in History class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. You can tune in tomorrow for an assassination. Greetings, I'm Eves, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that believes no day in history is a slow day. The day was October 8, 1892. Russian poet Marina Svetayeva was born in Moscow. Svetayeva was a prolific writer and one of the most notable Russian-language poets of the 20th century. On the Julian calendar, which Russia used at the time, Svetayeva's birthday was September 26. Her mother, Maria Alexandrovna, was a concert pianist. Her father, Ivan Vladimirovich Svetayev, was a professor of art history at the University of Moscow. He later founded the Pushkin Museum of Fine Arts. Marina, her siblings, and her parents lived a comfortable life. They had servants and spent summers in a cottage in Tarusa, Russia. That said, her family wasn't perfect. There was tension in her mother and father's marriage as they still had feelings for previous loves. And her mother wanted her to be a pianist, rather than pursuing poetry. After Marina's mother got tuberculosis in 1902, the family moved around Europe in search of warmer climates. They lived in Italy, Switzerland, France, Germany, and Crimea to help with her mother's health. But her mother died of tuberculosis in 1906 in Tarusa. Marina read a lot and learned several languages and she studied literary history at the Sorbonne when she was a teenager. In 1910, she self-published her first collection of poems called Evening Album. Other poets and critics like Maximilian Valoshin and Nikolai Gumilyov recognized her work and soon she began to mingle with other artists. She married her husband, Sergei Yakovlevich Efron, in 1912, and they had three children together over the course of their relationship. Though she was devoted to her husband, she had affairs, including ones with poets Sofia Parnak and Osip Mandelstam. Marina's affairs and friendships inspired many of her poems. But a period of turbulence in Russia and in Marina's life was on the horizon. 
The Russian Revolution broke out in 1917, and her husband joined the Tsar's counter-revolutionary White Army. She rejected the revolution, and many of her poems reflect her support of the anti-Bolshevik resistance. The Domain of the Swans, a poem about the Civil War, was one of the works she wrote during this time, though it wasn't published until decades later. Marina lost touch with her husband while he was in the army, and she stayed with her children in Moscow, where they lived in poverty. During the famine that took place while she was in Moscow, she put her two daughters in a state orphanage, hoping they would be better taken care of there. But her youngest died in the orphanage of malnutrition in 1920. In 1922, Marina and her daughter set out for Berlin to reunite with Sergei, who was in exile. They later moved to Prague and then in 1925 to Paris, a major center for Russian immigration. That same year, their son, Georgi, was born. Even though she lived in poverty, she continued to put out poetry, essays, and plays. Many Russian émigré writers in Paris criticized Marina for not being anti-Soviet enough, though she did form connections with writers like Reiner Maria Rilke and Anna Teskova, she was isolated from those émigré circles and Russia. On top of that, her husband's politics shifted. He became homesick for Russia and developed Soviet sympathies. Eventually, he joined the NKVD, or the Soviet Secret Police. In 1939, Marina and her son returned to the Soviet Union to meet her husband and daughter, who had also gained Soviet sympathies. Marina struggled in Soviet Russia and found it hard to get work as a writer. Her husband and daughter were soon arrested on espionage charges. Her husband was shot and killed in 1941, and her daughter was sent to a labor camp. When the Nazis began bombing Moscow, Marina and her son were evacuated to Yelabuga, a remote town in the Tatar Soviet Socialist Republic, where she had no money or support. She died by suicide in 1941. Marina Svetaeva's work is remembered for being lyrical, direct, and experimental, and having distinct rhythms. It's also noted for its portrayal of women's experiences during those turbulent years in Russian history. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. Have a hard time staying present as you mindlessly scroll through social media? Lucky for you, we're stuck in the past. At T-D-I-H-C podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or if you would prefer to email us, you can send us a message at thisday at iheartmedia.com. I hope you liked this show. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.